Welcome to the Women of Wild podcast, where we explore what it means to be a woman. We will be discussing real life challenges from being a daughter, a wife, a mother, a single mom, and beyond. We're two friends living very different lives. One is married with all girls. The other is divorced with all boys. We're perfect bookends to speak from opposite perspectives on all the things. Our mission is to search out the heart of a woman and to pour into you wherever you are with real life wisdom, actionable steps, and application of the topics we discuss to continue our self-development into a wild woman. That is a woman of wisdom, impact, love, and dignity. So let's go. Welcome to Women of Wild podcast. Today, I am speaking with Julia and Steve Cummings. We met at church about a year ago, and I brought them on to talk about our theme of love this month and to add in the idea of loving our children well. Steve and Julia have been in ministry together since the day they first met back in 1986. They got married in 1988 and have four married children and two grandchildren so far. They have served together in high school ministry, premarital counseling. They have launched a newlywed fellowship group, counseled believers struggling with anxiety and identity, as well as marriages, and currently have been hosting a house church of 15 young adults for the past three years. Julia is a therapist and has her own practice called Meadowbrook Counseling in Suwannee, Georgia, and can be reached at her website, which I will put the link in the notes. She meets with women one-on-one in every stage of life, and her practice allows her to be mobile and meet with women virtually or in their home or another safe place. Steve is also a counselor and has been walking with men for over 30 years. He has a ministry to men called Bringing Kingdom, and it helps men get into their heart and identify the lives they have been believing about themselves and experience the freedom of living as a beloved son of the king. And I will also put his website in the notes. And I'm really looking forward to talking to them today. They're ahead of me in their journey of parenting. So I know I have a lot to learn, but we're also going to talk about setting up things you can do now if you have younger children and how to parent well so that you can have a good relationship later on in the future. And they have recently started a podcast called the Parent Pivot Podcast for parents of adult children to pivot from parenting to partnering. I've listened to a few episodes. I love what they're sharing and they have five children that are grown and we're going to talk a little bit today about how they have worked on their relationship with their they have a good relationship now with their adult children. So that's our ultimate goal in parenting. That's what I'm hoping to have in my own girls' lives is to really want them to come home and visit grandchildren. <laughs> Welcome, Steve and Julia. Yes. Um, we actually only have four kids. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, that's okay. Wait, that's I, okay because I we did I, a, we did a recording uh, not too long ago and I got the wrong numbers of years that our son Wes had been married. Yeah. And so in the middle of the podcast, we're going up, oh, you know, this is why we just let the tape roll. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, a fifth would have thrown me over the edge for sure. Uh, so four was a good number for us, but um, yeah, we have three boys and one girl. Um, they are 32, 31, 28 and 27. And the girl falls the third. Uh, everybody, when I say three boys and a girl, they always they assume the girl's the last, but that's not the case. Um, and we do have good relationships with our kids. Uh, that ebbs and flows, though, you know, as any relationship does. I would say our children are very um, loyal to the family and love each other really well. And, um, but that hasn't come always easily. There have been things along the way that have, um, affected the relationships in one way or the other. So. Yeah. It's building that, that foundation of, uh, the spiritual foundation to be able to, um, forgive and have grace and see yourself and own your own things when you're off and just kind of modeling for them and teaching them 
you know, uh, relationships don't stay static and they're all good for all the seasons of life that you go through from cradle to grave. And you, you hit bumps along the way. And um, sometimes people need space to figure stuff out on their own with the Lord. And we give them that space, even though we want to continue to do stuff and, and, and God's got to work on their hearts. And But it all comes back to, and I think all of our kids do this really, really well, is like, hey, here's where I was off. In fact, we just had a conversation at Christmas time with our oldest son. And over, I mean, 10 years of things that was just perceptions. I mean, we've had a great relationship with him and, and his wife the whole time. But, you know, uh, as you grow up and you've got certain ways you've perceived the family was going and gee, mom and dad looked like they favored this child when this happened. So therefore I um, may have some animosity or resentment, but you know, you finally get down to having those heart to hearts. And really, in fact, we shared this on our last podcast. Yeah. Our interview with Wesley was yeah. dropped this week. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at that one, I think we called it, um, it's never too late. Yeah. Um, but really it was, it was all built around having a heart to heart with your adult child. And with that, I think came good, um, good things out of it. God gave us some redeeming time, and a lot of times you just have to own your mistakes as parents. Oh yeah, I I think I've done that more than Julius had to, just because in those early years, when uh, I'd come home, I just I was all about behavior and and toys all over the place and things with a mess or things like that, and and that bugged my 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 myself, and so I'd always be kissing them goodnight. And Julie goes, you got to go in there and apologize to so-and-so. And so I think every night during my young adult fatherhood, I was apologizing to anywhere from one to four kids every night. <laughs> but the fact that you did that, I think speaks volumes. Yeah. I, I think um, you had asked before we came on just, you know, the things that we did right, the things that we did wrong. You're always, it's always going to be easy to find what you did wrong. And it's easy for the kids to find what you did wrong too. Um, And I think it's our natural tendency when our kids tell us we did something wrong is to defend ourselves or to explain it or say you perceived that all wrong. And, um, And all of those things may be true, but, and this is something we say on our podcast, podcast a lot, you always, no matter how old your children get, you always have to be the adult in the room because you're still the parent and the expectation is still there that you would do that. So, um, owning that stuff that, that they perceived, like we've all experienced this, your child is a teenager and he, he or she, sorry, talks about, um, a story that they remember. And you know, because you lived it, that that is not how the story went down at all. (laughs) They have have part of the information, but not all of it. But what you have to remember is as a small child or young person, they absorbed it a certain way. So whether or not it was true or not, the way they told it, that was their reality. And that reality affected how they saw you, how they saw their siblings, how they saw the world. And so that's the piece we need to not be arguing with that. We need to listen, validate, and, you know, apologize if for how it went down or whatever. Two thoughts come to mind. One, we have four gospels in the Bible, (laughs) Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And and these four men are all standing at the intersection of four different corners watching Jesus's life. Now they all see certain miracles that happen, but somebody picks up on something else that the other guy didn't see because he was blocked out from seeing it or he wasn't paying attention. And and kind of the same thing happens in anything, even as, as we're living right now to any person, we form a narrative in our mind to make sense of our world. And without an experience or lack of and lack of information, because we don't have the full picture, we start building up what we, yeah, I need to protect my heart. So this happened and, and we move that way. Um, you are talking earlier, Sally, about um, owning our stuff. <laughs> I told you how. I remember when we launched a newlywed fellowship group out of our house. Mm-hmm. We had about, what, 12 couples there? Something like that, yeah. And we just asked, how many of you, your parents um, uh, apologized. apologized when you were little? Two hands went up wow. out, of, out of the whole group. One of them was Wesley. Yeah, one of them and was I was around. taken aback going, wow. I mean, to, to us, it just seemed like 
something natural to do, but that goes a long way when your kids can see you throughout your time that you're parenting them into adulthood that, hey, mom and dad aren't perfect. They can admit their mistakes. Um, and, and, and then you don't carry it too far the other way where you start feeling shame and, oh, I'm a horrible dad and I can't do anything right. It's like, no, I'm a broken person. We're all broken. And we live in this world trying to do our best and follow Jesus, teach our kids about Jesus. And along the way, I'm going to step on some toes and I just need to go, oh, I'm so sorry I, I did that. Even if I don't agree with it, I'm like, going, I'm sorry that that hurt you. And, and I can imagine what that feels like and step into their shoes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. We have been doing these parent workshops with a, another lady from Pathways. And one of the sessions we talk about repairing damage because we are all going to do damages to our kids as parents. We're all going to have mm-hmm. say things we don't mean, yell, lose our cool, <laughs> all the things that happen. But the the important thing is what do we do after that? Pretend nothing yeah. happened, just stay mad, you know, break. But to repair that damage and try to reconnect and reconcile that relationship is so important. Yeah. And it teaches yeah. them how to then repair damage when they have conflict. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things that I did with my kids when they were little, you know, you can imagine I had four kids in five and a half years. So it was somewhat of a zoo. And you can imagine that there were times that they were fighting and whatever. I started when they were pretty young. Um, I had witnessed um, through a family member kind of when I was pregnant with my oldest of how not to do it. (laughs) And what I witnessed was the parents somehow bought into every wine by one of the kids and then it pit the kids against each other. So if it's me and Steve fighting and Steve starts whining about something and runs to mommy and says, Julia did this, blah, 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 blah. If mom comes right in there and starts scolding Julia and believes everything that whining Steve is saying, there's going to be a problem. There's going to end up with friction happening. So one thing I did with my kids when they were really young, and it was only because I had witnessed this, and I'm like, I can't do it that way. That doesn't work because mm-hmm. um, these kids hate each other, and I didn't want that in my home. So I would, with my kids, I'd say, I don't want to hear it. Go in your room mm-hmm. and work it out mm-hmm. together. I don't want to hear it. I don't want anything to do with it. Go work it out. And so they would walk into the bedroom, they would shut the door, and I would say, don't come out until you've worked it out. Well, they weren't working it out. It, it comes down to how important was it, and it wasn't. <laughs> and so they would sit in there. Sometimes they would keep fighting, and they'd both end up crying. And then they'd come out and go. Then they would eventually say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And they would come out, and they'd say, Mom, we, we got it solved or whatever. Well, then there were other times that they would go, Okay, are you good? You good? Okay, let's go. Yeah, but we did walk them through what we called the three-point apology. And we made yeah. sure they did that. They had, they had to say, I am sorry for hitting you over the head with a baseball bat. <laughs> it was, um, I was wrong. So it's like, I'm sorry for specifically what I did. I was wrong. And then will you forgive me? So that we got that, we, we indoctrinated that into them quite a bit. So when you when we did say, go in the room and work it out, we were expecting them to do that yeah. at that point. Yeah. But I think that that helped them to, because my goal really with them was that they created their own team, even if it was against mom and dad. Because they're when mom and dad are gone, they need to be a team. Yeah. They need to stick together. They're going to be family no matter what. And so that was the goal was to really make sure that they – could work things out so that they would always be on the same team. In fact, Sally, you know how we know that we did that so well and they became a team? <laughs> there is a story about, was it Wes and Jamie Lynn who stayed home from school a whole week? Okay, said they were sick all week. They said they were sick all week. And watched The Incredibles watched... like 20 times or something. Yeah, meanwhile, they're sticking the thermometer to the light bulb and having temperatures. and <laughs> Just like E.T. did. Th- but they, they teamed up on it. We didn't find out until like after they were married. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and that's stuff you have to laugh at going, okay, because we did the same thing as kids. I mean, we, we're yeah. trying to pull the wool over our parents' eyes. Yeah. 
I tried that yep. once and it went up to like 104. My mom didn't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> You're not listless enough. I'm not running you to the hospital right. with a hundred. <laughs> she knew I was messing around. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, but I I feel like, you know, your whole theme is like, how do you love your kids well? Yeah. I think, you know, when you talk about what you did right and what you did wrong, I think the big, there are a couple of things that come to mind. One is loving each other well, having a good marriage and a united front, which I will say we did not always do well. Uh, it's hard. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is not getting sucked into the drama of daily life with your kids. I think you have to be so intentional with what you're choosing to do and um, taking all those teaching moments. Uh, I think of the times when my oldest, he was kind of a pot stirrer with the other kids, you know, and there were times that We'd go into the mall and I've got my double stroller with all four of them sitting in there, you know, piled in. And I would say, okay, there's no whining while we're in here and there's um, no asking me for things constantly. And that was probably hardest for Wesley because he was the oldest. He knew more what was going on. Um, and I would say, if this happens, we will have to leave the mall. That's hard for a mom to do mm -hmm. is to follow through with that because you're there for a reason. You're trying to get something done and you got four kids in tow. And um, there were several times that I would be, okay, we're leaving. This is the way it is. Right, you, have to, you have to follow through with what you say you're going to do. Uh, and so a lot of times when we're out in the public, it's like, okay, we're going to the store and guys, if that things happen, this is what's going to happen. And the minute it happens... It's an interruption. It's a hassle. I really don't want to have to take them out to the parking lot and get nose to nose and, <laughs> you know, and whatever, but you have to do it. I think the other overriding thing as I think about this is we um, really worked hard. And, and again, I'm learning from my wife, Julia, who's the therapist by education and, and spiritual gift uh, to be really good listeners because you're shaping a child's heart. You're not there to uh, scold them about their behavior. If you're only scolding them about their behavior and rewarding them or punishing them, then you're not really connecting with them at the heart level. And listening takes intentionality. But I would literally watch our kids come home from a youth group outing, um, practice, school, whatever. And a lot of times they came right through the front door and came right, especially if it was after, like we were already in the bedroom watching TV and they were out late, like in their high school years. Yeah. They'd come and they'd open the door and they wanted to download, especially the boys. The funny thing was, it was Jamie Lynn, our daughter, she wasn't, she, she was a little bit harder nut to crack. She was, but she was more difficult. We to still went in intentionally and said, Hey, how's it going? And sometimes you just have to ask a lot of good questions and get that out. But they got used to downloading and processing all their hurt feelings about things that happened at school, their relationships with their friends, and to sit there and go, I'm so sorry, that was hard, and to come alongside them. I mean, junior high, middle school years are just the worst. Yeah, they really are. You know, you just, <laughs> you just have to gut it out and get through there um, and things, and you just have to be there and, and stuff. But um, I think just being good listeners, it takes time. It means I'm going to set aside me opening up emails, doing other work, uh, things that I want to do because my child needs me. And I think over time, as they get into adulthood, that has paid off. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, and it's always late at night. <laughs> like. Yeah, exactly. Although I, I would bet, I don't know, I wish I had one of my kids here. Steve was, Steve ha always had to get up early for work. And so, and I'm a night out anyway. So oftentimes it would be, Steve was sleeping already. I might be awake watching, you know, friends, friends on TV at Which 11 We have a clip at the front of our podcast from <laughs> yeah. friends. Um, and I'd hear the kids come in and I'd get out of bed and I'd go in the other room and we would have some of our best conversations, mm. you know, between 11 and one mm -hmm. sometimes because They've come in, they're tired, they're a little more vulnerable, they're and oftentimes ready, more ready to talk. Now, like we said, our daughter 
was a tougher nut to crack. She didn't open up as as quickly. She's good um, at it now. She's good at it now as an adult. Um, but I could just sense like when she'd come home sometimes as a teenager and, you know, you have girls. Mm-hmm. You just know that there's been some girl drama or something. And she didn't like that. She's she's was raised with three boys. She's all about just, you know, and then we've taught her to just be truthful and honest in, in communication and stuff. So she's with a bunch of girls that can't do that, you know? And so she'd come home and I could just sense that something was wrong and she'd go right to her room and I would go in there and I would lay on her bed and I would basically say, I'm not leaving until you start talking. And she would hate that at first, <laughs> but oftentimes we get into good conversation and um, she would eventually get it out. But I had to like put my foot down. Whereas I think a lot of parents would just go, well, she's not a talker. And so we'll just let her be. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, she needs to get it out. She needs to just throw this up. Um, another example like that, our second oldest, Campbell, um, he, he was very emotional and so he would fight being emotional if I, if that makes sense. Same with Jamie Lynn. She's, she's very similar. The two middle ones are a little more that way. Um, but so he would be uncomfortable with intimacy type of, you know, things. And so he was not a hugger. He never liked hugging from the time he was very little. So when he got to junior high and this is pretty typical of your junior high, right? They forget things all the time. (laughs) And so he would call me during school and say, Hey mom, I forgot this thing. Can you bring it? And I would say, I will bring it, but you're going to have to give me a hug when I do it. (laughs) And it doesn't matter who your friends are around you. You're going to have to hug me in front of your friends. (laughs) And he actually got a big kick out of it because it was a game and his friends knew it. They're like, oh, Campbell's mom always makes him hug him. And um, (laughs) so anyway, it, you know, it's little things like that, that you, I think those are the things that we did well in, in creating, like Steve said, those heart to hearts and yeah being a safe person for them to talk to. Yeah, a couple other things come to mind about how you can love your kids. And um, I can see some of the things that we did in the early years of parenting, even still, we still do as their adult children, then all four of our kids are married. And by the way, I have to put this plug in. The three youngest got married within five months of each other during the pandemic. Oh, wow. Uh, May, August, October of 2020. So <laughs> You, when you raise a close family, be careful. But uh, two things come to mind. One, um, we're, we're very obviously spending a lot of time in counseling. Um, Julie's got her counseling degree. I have a pastoral uh, certification, and we both have it here in Georgia so we can counsel people. And part of that is learning these different personality um, uh, things about the Enneagram, uh, Myers-Briggs, the DISC, uh, things like that. But one of them that came in handy with the kids, with, and this works with anybody, is the love languages. Yes. You know, is really understand your child's love language because we have some kids that really want to be celebrated, love to get gifts at Christmas, and it really means a lot. And they don't want a gift card, um, even even to these adult years. Um, and so you just got to kind of realize that that my love language is different than what they are. Um, Campbell's is time; he kind of like his mom. So I just feel like if I go out and spend time with him, no matter what we're doing, he feels loved. So I think that was a big focus for us is to understand. Our yeah. kids love languages. Yeah. Um, and actually, like Jackson, our youngest, he's the one that really likes gifts. And he didn't, I don't think he realized that until he was an adult. And then he was able to verbalize it yeah. to us. Yeah. And so we didn't really grasp that when he was younger, which is kind of a shame. Um, so now I feel a lot of stress. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, what do we get? And then and now, nowadays they've got these Amazon lists where they'll put on there what they want. I'm going, well, that's not a surprise. All I'm doing is picking something off your list and go, here you go. Right. Yeah. So it's like, uh, it puts stress on uh, mom and dad. But um, yeah, that was one thing. The other thing I was thinking of is um, we've been good at creating family memories. Now, whether that be going on vacation, 
or just being spontaneous and doing some things. Like I would come up, there's a variety of things we've done here. Like we'd be on vacation in Michigan and you and I were walking on Lake Michigan one morning and Wesley texts me and says, Hey dad, Justin Verlander's on the mound for the Tigers. And I go, let's go. And he's like, wait, what? It's a three hour drive to the to the stadium in Detroit. I'm going, we're here. We're close to a major league baseball stadium. Let's go. And so we piled in the, in the suburban drive across the state of Michigan, go to a baseball game uh, and come and come back and listen to the angel game on the West coast. But the kids still remember that. Oh, that's cute. So it's, yeah. it's stuff like, it's like, Hey, if I can get it done, let's do it. Um, and just not going, whether it's going on vacation, uh, it can be a simple thing. It can just be doing some crazy stuff around town and, and just being yeah, spontaneous. I- do you mind us talking nonstop, Sally? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm thinking about Steve has always done these dollar bets. Oh, yeah, I was going to go there next. The kids. <laughs> so we have to tell you about dollar bets because we still, we don't, the kids don't aren't as adventuresome anymore. Well, they're they smart really, now. Yeah, and they're like, going, I'm not doing that for a buck. <laughs> so now, now, now uh, your, yeah. your wage. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, but the cool thing is, is the grandkids are starting to come into the picture. So now I can get them involved. Yeah, and I go by Pop, and Julie goes by Juju. So, yeah, but the, tell them, explain the dollar bet. So the dollar bet is, I would just find the most outrageous thing to get them to do, and and just pay like the minimum amount of money. So hey, a dollar bet, and, and usually it was Campbell taking me up on the offer. <laughs> I remember in the same t- on that same trip in Michigan. Yeah, um, we we're in downtown Holland, Michigan, and there was a group of older ladies, about 15 or 20 of them, uh, doing yoga out in the park, this beautiful park. And there's probably a young 20 something gal teaching them and they're, they're on their mats and they're doing this. And Campbell was probably about, I don't know, 20, 30 yards away from me. And he was getting a drink of water at the restroom. And I reached in my pocket and I, I held up a dollar bill and he caught my attention and he looked at me and kind of gave me the head nod, like, what, what, like, what do you want me to do? And all I did was point I literally didn't have to verbalize it. I pointed at the group of women doing yoga. He knew exactly what to do. He, he made his way back behind the women and joined them doing the exact same exercises uh, doing it. I mean, that was one of them. Another one was being in a restaurant. And I said, if you eat all those hot chilies. Oh, yeah. Hot pepper. Hot, like, hot, yeah. yeah. Like uh, jalapeno peppers. Yes. I mean, and, oh, and that one was on video. He did yeah. that one. and Eyes just crying. Poor guy. Yeah. And also walking in a mall in an outdoor mall, there'd be a big giant fountain right down the middle of this mall, you know, that's maybe 20 yards long. I say, Kim, I'll give you a dollar if you take your shoes off. And as I walk around the fountain, you just walk right through the fountain. And so he did. People are looking at him. The key for dad is to always have $1 bills in your pocket. Yeah. But, I mean, just be yourself, enjoy your kids, do some crazy stunts and fun things. And, you know, all, all this stuff, really. Yeah. If I were to say something we didn't do well, I do think we were a little too uptight. And, of course, that's easy to say now in retrospect. Um, we were uptight. That doesn't, yeah. from the stories you just shared, that doesn't sound very <laughs> uptight. Can't wait to hear well, your answer. Like Steve was explaining earlier oh, yeah. about just behavior stuff. Yeah. And I, you know, I just think that there were times when maybe we were just too uptight about behavior. Mostly me. No, but I was too. I think that sometimes, you know, you need sanity when you have small children. And part of that sanity is having order. Right. Um, I was actually good at letting go of the house order so that I could sit and enjoy my kids which I know is really difficult for a lot of moms uh, who, you know, look at every opportunity to get something yeah. done that they can. And I would oftentimes just wait until they were in bed or even the next day to do dishes and stuff, which I know a lot of people really struggle with that. So I can't, I can't fault anyone for struggling with that. But anyway, but I just feel like sometimes we were just a little too uptight about behavior and I wish I could give you a specific instance, but I think there are moments when you're parenting that you lose your sense of humor. Mm-hmm. So, um, you got to watch America's funniest home videos when they show the, 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 
little boy coloring on his little baby brother with a marker and plus all of the things. You just have to laugh. That would have been something I would have gotten angry at as a young father. Why did you do that, Scolden? But you just have to sit back and laugh at going, oh, that's hysterical. Uh, and I think that that's the piece that I'm trying to get at really is being able to sit back and truly enjoy your kids. And when you're in the thick of it, in the thick of life, in the thick of homework, when you're trying to teach your kids how to behave and how to be kind and all of those things, you can get so wrapped up that that it becomes about doing and you forget to sit back and just observe and go, okay, this kid is really sensitive. Right. This kid is, I'll and never forget. Notes, you're learning. Yeah. My oldest one time, this is, and I, this stands out to me because I feel like I actually did it well this time. Um, but normally I would say I, neither of us were this laid back, but Wesley was chewing a piece of gum. He was probably three. He'd probably just learned to chew gum. Maybe he was five. I don't know. And he was playing with it and pulling it out and whatever. And you could just see the wheels in his head turning. And the next thing I know, and he was watching TV at the time. The next thing I know, he was up close to TV and pushing the the long string of gum up onto the TV. (laughs) And I just remember just sitting and laughing because I was noticing. I was noticing who he was. I was enjoying that side of him. I could see the wheels turning in his head and um yeah i think you have to look at that as a learning moment as a parent not every moment needs to be a teachable moment yeah but that's like a learning moment that you can kind of laugh at and file that away and 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 just uh laugh at uh and things and 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 to be curious about their hearts because god has shaped all four of those hearts completely different yeah and we're not perfect parents. I think I think you go into no one there's no playbook on parenting. People try to write playbooks. They do. <laughs> I remember Will Smith saying, you know, I I, I cut out of the hospital and you, you buy a big screen, flat screen TV, and you get home, there's this thousand page manual on, on how to work the flat screen. You walk out of the hospital with a newborn, you got nothing. Uh, nobody tells us how to do anything. So you're, you're winging parenting and you're asking mom and dad and other friends, what do I do? And you're, you're reading books and you listen to podcasts. And and you still have to go, because I think what drives us is I want to get it right. Mm-hmm. Parents, I'm going to tell you right now, we're not always going to get it right. And that's okay. Yeah. Just have to, again, it goes back to what we said earlier uh, at the beginning of this episode. Um, just got to own own it when you get it wrong. Because we want to model to them um, how, how, we, how we are going to go through that. Because they need to know that they're not going to lead a perfect life. And we've had kids struggle, struggle with perfectionism. And some of them still do into their young adulthood. Sally, are you old enough to know what Growing Kids God's Way is? Yes. We did one of those classes when our girls were real young, like the toddler age. Yeah. So when we were raising our kids, that was a huge thing. I mean, churches were splitting over it Mm -hmm. because... It became so friendships were splitting over it, and mm-hmm. friendships were splitting over it, and um, and I'm sorry for anybody out there who is a growing kids God's way person, but it was very divisive, and um, we when I read through the material, I'm like, well, this is stuff that we pretty much already do a lot of it, um, but I didn't agree with. There was this overarching kind of thinking in the material that said every situation is the same. Every kid is the same. And this is the way you do it. And because that was such an overarching thing, I I remember being at camp, family camp with our kids and sitting with a friend who was doing Growing Kids God's Way and their child wouldn't finish dinner. They were exhausted. And she would not get up from that table until that kid ate his dinner and he ended up falling flat on his food fell asleep at the table. And I just remember thinking, that's not right. Why? What what do you end up teaching your child that way? It's like, I am so rigid. It's all about being very rigid boundaries and, 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 and control. Yeah. And it, it, and that, that is their premise. And on some level was about 
hey, parents, don't relinquish your control, which I understand that premise mm-hmm. because a lot of parents do. You you know, we all have walked in stores or restaurants where kids are running wild and it's like, okay, parents, could you get your child? <laughs> the better thing to do in that situation is to say, hey, this is your decision, but guess what? You're not going to have anything else to eat after this. So when you come and ask me for you're hungry later, and, and we've all done that, oh, and yeah. I see you nod in your head, it's like that's because you want to teach your child all the way up to adulthood. I've got to release these kids when they reach 18. I'm modeling, I'm shepherding, I'm, I'm nurturing your life and your heart to make good decisions. Mm-hmm. And so you have, they have to own decisions. So do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Well, I want to do this. Okay, don't come back asking later for that because this is your decision and you stick to it. Yeah. Yeah. And see, for some of us, it just seems kind of common sense. Yeah. That that's how you do it. But we say this, but as we say, I know. we know that we did a We've lot of We've made our mistakes. Wrong. Come listen to our podcast. We'll share all our mistakes <laughs> on our podcast. <laughs> Truly, well, I truly. think the big part is owning those and repairing the relationship so that you can enjoy it now with your yeah. kids. And are how, so, where do they live? Are they nearby or far away? So, our daughter and her husband are here in Atlanta with us. Um, they are actors, struggling actors. They live so, about two miles away. Yeah, they live a couple nice. miles away. So that's really nice to have them here. Our youngest son, Jackson, did start out here, um, and he and his wife got married here, uh, and then they went out. They work at a camp in California called Hume Lake in Central California. Great camp. Highly recommended. They actually met there. And they met there. Oh, wow. Um, so that's Jamie Lynn and Jackson. And not, then oh, yeah, okay. Campbell, um, he's the second oldest. He and his wife... They met at Hume Lake also, which is funny. And the four of them all kind of connect really well over that. So it's fun to see your kids later on in life. You know, those four have a unique relationship because of they they met their spouses at Hume Lake. Yeah. Um, Campbell and Ashley live in Reno uh, currently. And uh, yeah. And then there's Wesley and Chelsea. He's the oldest. They've been married uh, about 10 years. The other two, the other three have all been married two, two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wes and Chelsea have been married ten, almost 10 years, nine and a half years, almost 10. They have two little ones that are three and two, and they are in Southern California. Okay, so. They're, li- they're actually living in Julia's childhood home right now. So we get the third oh, wow. and fourth generations living in that home because we, we lived in that home for about 15 years. Yeah, we raised our kids in that home as yeah, well. Yeah, so now they're living so, in it. Oh, that's yeah. neat. Yeah, it is. It's kind of cool. So, um, yeah, they're kind of spread all over the country. It's very difficult for us sometimes. We really, but you know what? I go back to the making memories things like even as they're spread out around the country. And I know, I know a lot of people listening to, to this podcast now, it's like, well, Steve, you mentioned all about creating family memories. They're not as frequent, but we still do them. For example, Campbell and Ashley came out for Thanksgiving and they came out a week before Thanksgiving. And they were interested in going up to Tennessee. So our thought was like, well, hey, let's take you up to Tennessee. We went up to Nashville. They had some friends uh, in Franklin. So we paid for an Airbnb. We drove up there and we got to spend some one-on-one time with them. And the four of us had, had a very unique adventure. We went to a karaoke bar. That was really fun. And we had a really, we had fun time. And we and we went walk around downtown Franklin. And there's so many memories from that. That's just the four of us. So we continue to do that. You just have to, they're further spread apart. And you wait for your moment, and you go do stuff. We've done we've done stuff with all four uh, married children; they're couples, and uh, we continue to do that. Yeah, yeah. I want to say too, if there are any parents with younger kids right now that they aren't getting along, hmm. just a note of encouragement. Um, oh yeah, like Campbell and Jackson. Campbell was really excited when Jackson was going to be born. He could not wait. And then the second he was born, he was really over it. He was for he was for at the time. But that kind of attitude of his lasted for several years just cuz Campbell is the type of person who loves to be unique and different. And Jackson looked up to Campbell greatly and wanted to do everything Campbell did. And Campbell just couldn't stand it. And I remember having to look at Campbell at one point. He was probably, he might have even been in junior high at this stage of the game. And I just basically said, Look, Jackson's here to stay. He was born, he's here. 
he's your brother. Get over it. <laughs> but here we are later, and those two are very close. Oh, they're very close. They're very I've, close and really enjoy each other. And here's another thing, too, where you can't get too wrapped up in the present and what happens to maybe implode the sibling relationships uh, because they will work themselves through it. And it gets to, like we said, they're close now. But I, I thought you, where I thought you were going with you telling a story was we, uh, we got to um, uh, about eight or nine years ago, I took a position up uh, in Portland, Oregon, and we're living in the childhood home. And Julie and I leave Orange County and move up to Portland. And we leave Campbell, Jamie Lynn, and Jack living in the house by themselves. Wesley's down the street married. Wesley's already. down the street married. And, you know, as soon as you take the authority out of the <laughs> everyday things, who's going to feed the dog? Who's going to mow the yard? And they're all adults at this yeah, time. Yeah, they're all adults at that time. 18, 20, and 23. So young adults, yeah. Young, you know, young and, adults. And, yeah, and mind you, Julia's mom is a mile away, you know, so. But, you know, there were things that were happening that we could see it on the texting family text group. And I'm just like, I'm just sitting there. I'm, I'm the baseball umpire, right? I'm wanting to jump in and dive in and, 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 and solve the problem. Julia's, Julia's going, no. They have to figure it out. So we literally had to wait till it was like, if we don't step in now, this is going to hurt them for the rest of their lives. <laughs> there was a period of time, they'll, they'll laugh about it now, but there was a period of time there where they didn't get along. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. They did. Yeah. But they've, we've paid for a lot of therapy to fix things like that. <laughs> I will attest to that too, because I'm the oldest of three girls and my, the one in the middle, I was so mean to her growing up. Really, until I was about a senior in high school. <laughs> and then our relationship started to shift. But I think because yeah. she was a freshman, I was a senior, we were finally close enough, maybe, in maturity level to start getting along. And I just wasn't as mean after that. But, <laughs> but we're, you know, the three of us. And my youngest sister was nine years younger. So she was oh, wow. so much Thank younger. God. We didn't really, I, she was 13 when I got married. And so our relationship kind of developed later. Um, yeah. Because I was married. And then when I had my first child, she would babysit and hang out with us. So that kind of yeah. grew later. Um, and now you guys are all close. We are. And we were all yeah. pretty low. My parents were all in the Atlanta area. About the farthest one away um, is me and my middle sister she's in hamilton mill so it's like 40 minute drive but we're not that yeah, far that's not that far no not <laughs> yeah. and we're in the same state and pretty much the same area it's just traffic but yeah exactly yeah. yeah and your parents are super sweet oh thank you <laughs> they're really cute they're very sweet though and it's cool that you get to like go to church with your parents and and things like yeah and it's funny sometimes i think about what did my parents do right <laughs> because We've all, we're married. We're still married. We get along. Mm -hmm. We, there's a lot of positive things that have happened in our family. And I think when I think back at it, I think they just kind of loved us and let us be the way we were. They didn't really interfere that much and try to control us or change us. And they let us grow up and figure things out. And, but I always felt, supported and loved by them and mm -hmm. um, yeah. mm -hmm. I don't know it's I can't think of like a they weren't super strict they weren't super they were probably more lenient than strict but they loved us and they did keep connection and yeah and they did you know make us have family nights that I probably complained about as a teenager and stuff like that but we did we did, we that, did too. that too we had Sunday nights kids. we had dinner at In-N-Out Burger and then we come home and watch America's Funniest Home Videos yeah and the kids did not understand and it started when our oldest was in high school mm -hmm. and you start seeing the clock tick you know you start going okay we don't have much longer yeah life's gonna start changing here kid at home it's gonna start changing and it was really when wesley was in high school i think that we started the family nights and but we made a family day we would we tried to make it a day of like every need to be home like this is not the day that you're going to go out and be with your friends and of course there were always times that there was something that a unique, had to a take unique place. Thing like especially yeah. if it was a church activity, if the youth group was doing something or whatever. Yeah, something like that. But really, like 
it's not the day that you're going to go to your friend's house and hang or whatever. We're right. going to hang. And, and it would make them so mad because it would be like, we're not even doing anything. <laughs> and it would be like, yeah, that's not the point. It's we're in the house together. Yeah, it's the one day of the week. Even if we're just watching TV together, it's um, sometimes we might play a game together. But it was pretty much just Mm -hmm. in and out. You know, church in the morning, in and out for dinner, which I always look forward to, and then kind of like a family Sabbath. Yeah, funny stone videos. Yeah. So, and I think now they would probably tell you, "I'm glad we did that," Mm -hmm. because at least it was memories too. Yeah. I can appreciate it now. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I think, you know, sometimes you just do these things and you can't expect the kids to be like, oh, this is great. But well, and just because no, they grumble and exactly. complain doesn't mean you have to cater to them. Right. Right. Well, and then what we started doing was, and I got the idea from, uh, we're, we'd like to watch TV at night. We have certain shows we love. We love watching Blue Bloods with Tom Selleck's show. And of course, if you watch that show, they're always uh, getting around the table for family dinner. And so once we were all here, we started doing family dinners on Sunday night. And to this day, we send out a text on Saturday or Sunday morning saying, hey, we're all going to Grandma Joe's. She says she needs salad and rolls. Who's <laughs> going to be there? And we've got, you know, our generation, Julie just described. But mm-hmm. then there are, uh, you know, uh, Randy and CJ have their kids here. Mm-hmm. So they'll show up with their kids. So we've got, we've got three generations. Yeah. Oh, four, awesome. four generations. Yeah. So we have anywhere from a small group of 12 to a large group of over 20. Yeah. Wow. And our kids are, our kids are part of that when they're, when they're here. Yeah. Our, yeah. But what, the whole point I was going to make with the five kids and us being so far apart, you would think that, uh, and our closeness looks maybe a little different than like you guys and your three girls or whatever. Um, my family, we all really like each other, but we don't necessarily stay in touch during the week at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but if a crisis happens, we are all like right there to be there for each other. And um, we don't do fighting. Um, well, I married into a family of district attorneys, and I knew when I married in, if you if you don't have an opinion, you better find one, and you, it's, it's going to get loud and boisterous and and whatever. It's like it can be scary. It can scare you out of going. I don't think I want to marry into this family, but to this day, you know, if they get on a certain bent of things, it's like okay, here we go. And sometimes I just go in the other room if I'm if I'm tired of it. But uh, everybody's. But at the same time, they can disagree on things. But like you said, everybody comes back to the point like it's not personal. Yeah, nobody. We all get along pretty well. And where I was actually originally going, the whole reason why I started talking about my siblings is because you were talking about uh, how your parents just kind of let you be. And my parents were probably too hands off Mm -hmm. to the to the point of me questioning if they cared. (laughs) But I never doubted that they loved me. but honestly, I think part of that created us kids to bond mm-hmm. because we did learn to rely on each other. And um, we, yeah, we we did things by ourselves. Like we, I don't have many family memories. My parents didn't take us on vacations or anything like that. But I have memories like with my siblings, like going and looking at Christmas lights. My sister loved to drive us places and, you know, things like that. And so... Um, I have memories like that. So it's kind of funny. I think where I go with that is there are no absolutes. There are no, oh, we all want formulas. If you Mm. do A Mm -hmm. plus B, it will equal C. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing like that, unfortunately. So I can look at the home I was raised in and see how my parents messed up or what they did right. But the outcome was still pretty good. I I would say this as I think about it in a spiritual sense. I think the keys as you've been listening to this podcast this whole time comes down to grace and acceptance. If you can extend grace all the time and give yourself grace and extend grace as well as accept that person as being different than you and seeing life differently than you, and you can still love them. In my mind, it's like, you know, that's for me with any relationship. I just, even I might not get along with this person, I want to love them well in that space. The ministry I have is all about loving others in, this, in that space based on the same commandment. And a lot of times, you know, I don't have to agree with somebody, but God brings me somebody and I just want to love them. 
That means I've got to accept them for who they are, even if they look different, act different, have different views than I do, uh, things like that. But same thing goes with loving our kids through all these stages we've talked about is just grace and acceptance. Yeah, I would agree with that. I do too. I That's one of the things that really kind of hit home with me. I've, I've been studying the past several years on parenting and marriage and everything is, you know, we all need love, acceptance to be valued and to know we're not alone. Mm -hmm. And when I start to kind of have those overwhelming, like I got to do this and that, because you can, there's so much information out there. I'm like, no, I just got to come back to these four core things. Yes. Am I doing this? (laughs) And that's really what matters. And am I doing it in the way that God made me? Because I can see these other moms out there who are organized and they've got everybody doing everything. And I'm like, I'm never going to be that person. (laughs) No, I had to come to terms with that as well when my kids were younger. Yes. Mm -hmm. And if I try to be that mom, I'm not going to be a very good mom. I've got to be me. And God gave me these kids. So I'm the kind of mom they need. And just to, to believe in that and trust in that because. Yeah. You know, the greatest gift is when your kids come to you as an adult, when they have an aha moment. And that is the most rewarding thing ever. Um, And I've had several moments like that, but one that stands out. So the home I grew up in, the TV was always going 24 seven, always going. And my dad would sit down to watch TV and he expected silence. And so like my brother and I, we'd be eating dinner together in the other room and he'd be like, my dad would be like, or you'd come in to ask my parents a question. And my dad was, and so one of the things, you know, you, we all have a tendency to react off of how we were raised. And so my thing was, I'm never going to tell my kids to shush. (laughs) And if I'm watching TV, I will always mute it or turn it off if they have something to say. And so probably several years ago, I mean, probably five or so years ago, Campbell came to me, my second oldest, and Hmm. said, Mom, and he was in tears as he said it. And he said, I just want to let you know how much that always meant to me. And he said, and I realize now more than ever how much that meant to me because he always felt important. And I think where he was going was he was in a stage of his life where maybe he was around people that were interrupting him or not listening or whatever. You mean dad? I don't think it was about (laughs) you. I think it was about other people. But, um, and he just, it came to the realization of, my mom always made me feel so important because she, the radio, oh, my kids would get so mad in the car because a song would be on. If one of them started talking, I'd automatically turn it down and make them so mad. Like, <laughs> Why can't you talk with the radio going? And I'd be like, I want to hear what you're saying. And so anyway, that was very impactful. And it was impactful for me to hear later, like, Okay, that actually meant yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. You know. so I you notice that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I hear you say that too. Even as a now that you know Campbell's thirty-one, and things, I have worked really, really hard to go. Okay, I want to be present with everybody, uh, and things. But sometimes I'll slip out of that and revert back to my old habits. And um, sometimes our kids have been wounded by that, and I've watched him give me grace and acceptance to go. I just, I just want to vent right now. You don't need to fix anything. Because I think as, as men, as husbands, as dads, we're in this nature to fix things. We don't like to see our loved ones suffer. We don't want to see them cry and be upset. And of course, we can then see, well, if you'd just done this, you wouldn't have that problem. <laughs> but really, all they want to do is get it out and process it. So it's taken me 35 years of marriage to get to that point. Uh, but same thing with our kids. I love them well, um, even in their adult stage, to go, I, I, I don't need to have my phone near me. Uh, it's going to distract me. Uh, they just want to have a conversation. So sit down and be present. And sometimes you just have to be there to listen to let them all get it out. You don't have to, you don't have to do anything about it. You just validate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those phones are like the new TV that's always in your face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Parents out there with kids with phones, get rid of them. Honestly, I just, 
or have it be a basket that when they come home, they throw it in the basket and make sure you turn off the Wi-Fi at 11 o'clock so that they can't, you know, it's just in my practice, I see teenagers and 20 somethings all the time that, um, they're addicted to their phones and they think they need it to go to sleep and it actually affects their sleep and all of them have sleep issues yeah. mm-hmm. and then they're depressed or have anxiety. They and- looked at social media and saw where their friends are. They've got yeah. fear of missing out going on. But mm-hmm. I think yeah. we were not obviously fortunate, but I mean, cell phones didn't come in until Wesley went to high school and, and things and we didn't have. Yeah. And the smartphone wasn't until he graduated. Yeah. But still, yeah. I think, I think we did ask that during that family Sabbath day that we didn't, we weren't looking at screens and stuff. So. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I don't envy parents today. I think it's a big mess. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's tough. Well, anyway, we have rambled. We, we have. have really gone on and on. It's been and awesome on. though. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it a lot. Is there any last words you have before we wrap up? Final thoughts. Um, as far as loving our kids well through all those stages, you know, um, I would say, Loving your kids well is being both flexible and having good boundaries for them. Saying, you know, not, I I don't want to use the word saying no to them, but like as we talk about the phone, it's okay if your kids feel left out with friendships to save them from themselves, to save them from the phone. And it doesn't have to be about the phone. It could be about a million different things. But it's okay to um, have them be mad at you. So being flexible enough that you can adjust with what's happening, um, being intentional where you're not just always reacting to what's going on, and then having good boundaries and... Uh, sticking to it. Yeah. I mean, my only last thing is, I mean, we, we're in this season right now and God takes you through seasons. You know, I was just on a trip this week uh, for work. I go visit our ministry partners that give to the ministry I work for. And this week was just a lot of deep spiritual things going on and listening to people share um, grieving losses. It's like, when did I get to this age when all of a sudden friends are losing their parents, uh, a pastor in a plane crash, a best friend here, a dog. And it's all of a sudden you get to the stage and you start to realize what's the most important thing is really what it hits you when you start losing people that you've been around for the last five or six decades on this earth. And, you know, when you think about this point, the stage we're at, we're empty nesters, we've got adult children and our podcast is about, you know, Hey, we want relationship over being right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a good principle to have Mm -hmm. um, is just like, I don't need to be right in this moment. Like even if it's a text message and somebody said something wrong, I don't need to correct them because then I start coming across as, well, dad's always going to correct us because he's got to be right. I don't want my legacy to be when I'm put in the ground um, that, you know, dad always had to be right. I want it to be all the great memories that they remembered because I chose relationship over being right. So I would, and that's kind of the heart of our, our podcast, but that's, that's what I would say that in order to love our kids well through all these seasons is, Choose relationship over being right. I love that. And that's a good reminder. (laughs) I think it was just yesterday we were joking around because my husband was like, well, I want to be in relationship with her. Our daughter was right there with us. We were doing um, scholarship tax stuff, which is not fun. No. And he was like, I want to be in relationship with her so she can know I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how it works. They'll, they'll figure that right part out later. And even if right. they don't communicate it to you, that's where they'll realize I should go ask mom and dad for advice or counsel. And that's what you want them to do is you want them coming to you. And when they do that, you can just, you know, they're, they're going to figure that out on their own without right. us beating them over the head with it. So. And failure is not a bad thing. Yeah. 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 No. Well, thank you so much. I will have links to your um, practices and ministry. And if there's, you know, if people want to get in touch, I will have that in the show notes. And okay. I'm so glad I've enjoyed this a lot <laughs> talking to you guys. And thank you so much for being here. Awesome. Thank Thanks, you for Sally. having us. All right. Until yep. next time, stay wild.
If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. Let us know what you liked and what your main takeaways were. We'd also love to know what topics you'd want to hear about on future episodes. To connect with us further on social media or to learn more about our services, click on the links in the show notes or email us at womenofwildpodcast at gmail.com. And if you know anyone that would benefit from hearing this episode, please share it. To continue the discussion about this episode, join us in our private Facebook group. The link will be in the show notes. Until next week, stay wild.